This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. It's the other person who is on this podcast and also lives in my home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Time for the weekly check-in. How are you? <laughs> you know, um, and I'm, I'm here. I'm happy within the reality that... That sounded like I'm happy with the reality. I'm not... We have you said a within weird, the reality. Okay, so within the reality. I we thought have it was a, going good. Oh, Fantastic. It was perfect. Forget that I backtracked <laughs> like this. Uh, so within our new reality, I feel like I, for the last few weeks, have found a groove okay. that some days is more in the groove and some days is a little bumpier. Um, but within within that groove today, I'm today I'm having a, a groove day. OK, you have a bumpy <laughs> groove. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I think, that, that spiraled not the right direction. <laughs> I think within having within this reality a bumpy groove is a perfectly acceptable answer to how are you? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of a perfect uh, lead in to our topic. Uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast. I've been doing this podcast for years, talking to people about what they're obsessed with, sometimes at, you know, conventions or live shows, having a big group of people all joking around about something. Uh, and as you and I have been doing uh, this podcast within this reality within our new reality <laughs> we've been covering like things that we are legitimately obsessed with in like long term in life uh, sometimes a movie or tv show and then also just things we are obsessed with in the moment and that's really what i wanted to talk about today is just something that i feel like is bubbling in the general consciousness and something i am thinking about constantly and the best term i could come up with for it is the new normal and a great example of that is, how are you? <laughs> how are you has always been a bit of a weird problem thing. I, I have had a stand-up joke about it for a couple of years that people really respond to. And I'm sure, I am entirely sure, <laughs> I am far from the only person with a how are you joke in their stand-up. But people responded to it so powerfully. It was clearly like you can tell as a comedian sometimes a joke that people are like, I've been introduced to a new idea. And those kind of jokes where people are just like, thank you. <laughs> you said a thing that I am thinking, but hopefully in a clever way. And the mm -hmm. how are you conversation is like that. So how are you has been challenging for a while. And now it's just absurd. It's just mm -hmm. uh, every uh, every meeting or anything that I've been in over the internet, I've accidentally slipped and said, how are you? And then it's like, well, you know, it's exactly how you started. <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not okay, but in different flavors. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, how are you? Already challenging the new normal. Did you? Do you have thoughts on how are you? I. I mean, it's almost like we need like okay, how are you? Once we take off layer one and layer two, or you know, do we unzip the bubble? Like I feel like there's there's a there's a new reality which is what we're talking about today that we need within the how are you question yeah it almost feels like people should maybe say and this is just an idea how are you coping that is exactly what i was just thinking oh nice because i feel like that is the social version of it of i want to ask after you and be aware that you are a human being going through things however that's not what this call is about <laughs> And yeah. now let's talk about your car repair, right? It's not... <laughs> right. I've been getting a lot of, um, you know, work emails where it's both with uh, individual people and with um, colleagues and a few things that I've seen coming up are, I hope you're hanging in there. 
there, there's a lot of like, oh, hang in there. I hope you're doing okay within everything that's going on. Like a lot of acknowledgement while also saying this is hard and tough and weird and there's a lot going on. There's not just one thing going on. And I hope within that reality, you're doing some version of okay. Yeah, we should maybe just change it with how are you within your reality, because that gets even more to we are not only in a well, not really in a lockdown anymore, sadly, uh, that we're all in our own little emotional lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that a happy Which thing? Is maybe um, has been true in a way for a while. Yes, I'm going to replace how are you with are you in an emotional lockdown of your own? I, I think I, I want to see you try that. See how it goes. <laughs> uh, I will try that on a close and personal friend. So uh, if they get angry, I, I have lots of room to process and make it better. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the new normal. And um, I wrote down what I meant by the new normal. Uh, mm-hmm. And see, I'm, I'm going to share this and then I want to get your thoughts if uh, what you think about the new normal. So uh, right now we are, of course, dealing with a global pandemic. Uh, we are dealing with uh, wrestling with racial inequality, police brutality. Uh, multiple different industries are reckoning with a long history of sexual harassment and predatory male behavior. Uh, wrestling with huge financial inequality and a just general political battle in America between outright authoritarianism, the very progressive left and the more middle of the road left. So with all of those things brewing, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that change will, of course, come massive, massive change of some kind. But what will it look like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of those problems have been going on. Mm -hmm. But I think the pandemic was the first thing that really shifted us into, oh, no, there's going to be big change. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least the people who are willing to accept that we can't just, you know, hide from the virus <laughs> like it's hide and seek and then the virus will be go guess there are no more humans i will float into space or whatever mm-hmm. um but so the pandemic i think is really uh got me thinking about it but then all of these ideas and and, and conflicts you know some of them you know ancient <laughs> uh are in the forefront and it feels like change is coming mm-hmm. but then that the the question is what Will that change be from the big, from the small to the utterly unexpected, this change having this ramification or creating this opportunity or creating this uh, invention and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by the new normal. Change will come, but what is it going to be? Yeah. I I like your definition of new normal. I don't know why I was having a hard time saying that. Uh, it was not from lack of belief in what I was saying. Okay. I would I I would also add to it for myself. Yeah. Um more and more of a reckoning, this has also been coming for a while, with the true impacts of climate change. Yes. And I feel like that I maybe it is just the news that I read, but a lot of people talking about what are we gonna do as a response to um specifically the the pandemic and a lot of initial response to that and how are we now going to move to long-term responses, but also kind of that. But don't forget, this was just, you know, like the hand puppet monster and the big monster is still underneath and uh, really a big giant threat that's going to change our lives possibly more than 
anything we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, because there's the reality that of just science, this is a virus and the way it, this is the way it behaves. And then there's the reality of climate change and this is what is physically changing on our planet. Mm-hmm. But then the that's a great way for me to think about it of there's the reality if you choose to believe science. Well, it's the reality even if you don't choose <laughs> to believe. That's the point mm-hmm. um, of science. Uh, but then there's the sub battle and then the boss battle with will people accept science as not an opinion and the pandemic is forcing that and it feels right in the moment that the that battle's not going as well as some of us would like mm-hmm. but if that paradigm uh changes at all to get more people to go science is science and we cannot we're not going to get anywhere by trying to prioritize the economy because, you know, if we're all dead from a virus or climate change, <laughs> that's not going to help the economy either. Uh, yeah, so that will that be a change in the new normal of, you know, if and when we start to recover from, from the pandemic, people are just more willing to say, hey, yeah, we, ju- we learned from that horrible battle mm-hmm. that we have to face the battle of climate change from this different perspective. You do not have a look on your face that I would describe as hopeful. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say I'm hopeful. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, I'm projecting. I was I was having my podcast face on. Okay. Projecting through my voice. Okay. <laughs> which was not talking at that time. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I uh, thank you for pointing out the climate change. And I guess with my list of what all is going on right now, that list could be just, you know, 800 pages long. Mm-hmm. Of various issues and how to address them, I guess. Uh, in, in climate change, should definitely be on that. I guess I just was thinking about um, the things that are in our media discussion on our social media as well, actively affecting the real physical world, like things that are issues that are kind of unignorable, mm-hmm. like whether or not you're wearing a mask and whether or not a business is open is unignorable in for the last several weeks, whether or not there is a huge protest and whether or not a statue is being pulled down and whether or not people are being murdered <laughs> or, or, you know, losing their jobs because they're being called out for, mm-hmm. you know, years of, of unacceptable behavior. All this stuff that's like, it, it's it's happening now. It can't be ignored because there are, like, it's everywhere. Right, right. And absolutely. And that's why I was hesitating a little bit about adding it on because it's not, it's not what's bubbling at the surface right now. But I think um, in particular with the pandemic, but a little bit with many of the topics that are in the the new normal that you listed, um, our response and what the new normal is, I feel like, I think that's where I, that's where I include. Because I've decided that I just like I have to always mention trees on this podcast and you have to mention Star Wars, now I'm just going to always mention climate change as well. <laughs> well, I think that would be one incredibly tiny way we could help. Maybe that should just be the sign-off from now on. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Climate change is real. Bye. Um, it's not the end today, though. What's that? It's not the end today, though. Not it's, yet. Uh, of the world? Of the podcast. Oh, the podcast. No, thank you. <laughs> no, that's it. We're doing minisodes now. Minisodes will save the planet. All right, so uh, we could go on and on about the actual problems. Do you agree with the general concept of we are at a big point in history where something is going 
major things are going to change. Yeah, I I do. I don't I think I think that some of the changes will be different from what we right now think, certainly different from what we thought a month or two ago. And I think some things that feel like, oh, that's never going to go back to normal, probably will go back to some version of normal. And other things that we didn't foresee changing will change. But I, we're not going, we're not going backwards. We're going forwards. And it's going to, there are going to be changes. That's yeah. my prediction. Okay. <laughs> Money on the table. There will be changes. Money on the table. Um, would you consider yourself obsessed with the new normal? Do you think about it a lot? Do you think about uh, what's going to be different? Uh, yes and no. I I have some days where I get very focused on it. I have a lot of days where just to function with the and get the things done that are in front of me that need to be done that day um, because I feel very lucky in this economy. I still have a job, but I need to keep doing that job to keep that job. So um, just to kind of get through some of that, I don't always... Um, I feel like some days I should be more obsessed with it than I am. So then I might be guilty obsessed. <laughs> guilty that I'm not more obsessed. I would say I spend 99% of every waking moment and 100% of every sleeping moment being guilt obsessed. <laughs> At least guilt obsessed specifically about new normal. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing for me to clarify for new normal, and I would love your take on this, is... Some, I think it's very rare, like maybe when huge legislation happens, that anyone in the world can come out and go, bam, a change. And other things are, will not crystallize and become apparent until the change has happened and we are a little bit down the road historically. Mm -hmm. Does that, is that how you also think of the new normal? Like a combination of like, no, a law changed and it's, it creates a new normal and also this technology interacted with this new preference and it emerged in this way that nobody really saw coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some, some parts of the new normal we will see right away or are already seeing. And there are some that we won't truly recognize for like, I don't know, three years, five years, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe less. Yeah. Um, so is a person and on, on just a personal level, are you more excited or more fearful of being in a moment of big change oh that's a great question um torn i if i may before all of this happened i often wondered if what it felt like to live through moments of big change and how much people at those times felt like they were aware that they were in a moment of big change yeah um, some I think you can't help but notice like if there's like I would assume everybody in the countries which was most of the world involved in World War Two and World War One were very aware that something major was going on. <laughs> uh, so that's but I, I think like especially kind of some of the turmoil with the late 60s. Um, I've often wondered how if people knew that things would be changing or things yeah. that or excuse me things that if they knew that things were changing. Um and what the impact was. Yeah, obviously the people advocating for change are trying to make the change. Yes, but I guess I felt, I, I often wondered more for the general population. Like what what was the impact and how far did those ripples spread? Right. And I'd already um, started to feel, you know, for the last few years, like, okay, yeah, we're in a moment of 
big major change. And yep, I can totally tell it. And I feel like pretty much everybody who's paying any attention, um, at least within the United States and certainly other countries as well, um, I'm not saying everybody is globally equally affected. Um, But within the US, I feel like pretty much everybody is aware things are changing. Let's see where they're going and try to affect it one way or another. Yeah. Um, Even before this. And I feel like now with the pandemic, I mean, things are changing and I feel like you have most people have to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would think, I think that's the thing is the pandemic, you know, it has become sadly uh, so politicized. uh, And I don't mean that in a both sides way. I mean, that's the, uh, our horrible president chose to make it a tough guy thing to not believe science and to not believe in a virus. Um, But uh, uh, I, I, I think that it's fascinating from history point of view that I think we tend to look at history as sort of this story in a way and and not imagine what it was like to be in it. Because like what you're saying is like the pandemic was a pretty big, pretty neutral, ho- holy crap, things are going to change. But like if you think back to like all of the uh, the changes that happened because of all of the events of the 1960s, right? You could be somebody who wanted change and be actively working hard in, in making sacrifices uh, for, you know, in the civil rights movement and not know that Kennedy was going to be assassinated or that right. the Vietnam War was going to escalate, right? And mm-hmm. know that all of those different things would come together to form the picture of that we have now of how the 60s changed America. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's always a thing that I like to think about of what awareness did people on the ground not necessarily the people instigating or pushing for change, but just the people, were there people going about their, you know, kind of the quote, going about their business? Uh, <laughs> how did that change impact them and how how much did it affect day to day? Like, were they obsessed with what was going on or were some people obsessed and other people not? And it's just, it's always one of those questions. That's just an example that I use uh, that I'm just always have always been fascinated about because, as you'll remember, we talked about my obsession with history earlier. <laughs> so I could also say the same thing about, you know, the Black Death or something. Were people obsessed about it? I think they probably had to be in the moment, right? They were. Yeah. They, they definitely were. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with it from the perspective of history, for sure. Um, this is extremely weird, and I do not mean it to be flippant, but to talk about a, an obsession that we talked about recently as well. I'm obsessed with it from James Bond novels. Uh, because I was telling you about how in the novels and it translates to the movies a little bit because Ian Fleming had been, you know, a a spy and, you know, an intelligence officer in World War II. That's a part of the huge part of the imagination of the uh, Bond novels was where villains looking at like, well, how do all the resources in the world work? What pressure can I put on this industry to get this result? Where is... We're somebody that nobody is looking at this area, so I could use it to funnel money to, you know, smirch to the the Russian spy agency, you know, and uh, it it just has this imagination of like all of these different forces in the world can come together in surprising ways, mm-hmm. and I am not worldly enough to know for myself. Like I feel like that kind of change is going to happen, not necessarily James Bond villains, <laughs> but again that sense of. The damage that the pandemic is doing to some industry that I am not knowledgeable about is going to combine with somebody else's invention in a way that 
was, you know, that invention would have been insignificant if it weren't for what's going on politically. But because it got used here and this industry got smashed and these things came together, I'm fascinated with the things that I am just nowhere near knowledgeable enough to see all of these, like, if the world economy is like a board game. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. above it. I can't see the chits and the, you know, resource cards. But they, I, but I know they're going to come together and the map is going to look different because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy. Awesome. Both the James Bond and the board game. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing that won't change. I will probably continue to make uh, pop culture and generally nerdy references. That will, <laughs> <laughs> that will be the new standard, not the new normal. I think we covered lots of interesting topics, but I think you did not answer... My question, (laughs) which are you more excited or more fearful to be living in this moment of change? Yeah, I did not answer that, which was not (laughs) intentional at all. I got distracted by my own non-answer. I I think I'm excited or fearful. Those are the two options. I think of the two I would choose excited. Yeah. Um, Why? Because I'm hopeful. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to have a a hopeful outlook anyway. I often choose to have a hopeful outlook, um, even if it isn't my first reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like there are going to be so many changes for so many different things that are going on right now. And I want to believe that it's going to be better. Yeah. I want to believe it's going to be better for more people, not for fewer people, which is how I think it is right now. And I want to believe that many people, myself included, will continue to push and fight and try to be part of that, um, that hope for positive change. Yeah. Um, You know, that's, I I like to have an optimistic view. I think that's great. I mean, I think there's obviously, and I know you're not saying you aren't fearful. I gave you an A or B choice. Mm-hmm. And obviously there is a lot to be afraid of, including a horrific virus that is, you know, killing thousands of people. Um, but yeah, there, there, obviously there is a lot to be fearful of. And I, I, I've long seen this, but I see it a lot on social media. They just sort of like, I don't know, somewhere between honest and cynical of just like bunch of bad stuff's gonna happen told you like uh-huh <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I, I yeah i just i don't i don't like that because just predicting or rather at this point looking out the window and going yep lots of scary things are happening um i i think i react to that and i choose to be hopeful and, and hope that all of the this crisis can be a catalyst for change and that we can as a society as much as possible sort of you know grab the reins and say hey if we're changing things we got a long list mm-hmm. <laughs> of how to make things better for the most people yeah 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 so i choose to be uh hopeful myself mm-hmm. so think- then you would also say excited rather than fearful i am excited yes yes and I, it almost um yes i'm very excited to get to <laughs> it will be interesting to think about like well when does it kind of start to sink in like some things are going to happen you know the election and whatever is going to happen with that in america is going to happen and that's change is going to be you know obvious and or you know really debated you know along the spectrum um but then you know exactly how the pandemic begins to resolve 
and what other issues are, are made a priority or, you know, when we can actually look back and go, okay, we made it through is going to be interesting. Yeah. Because we just went through a round of uh, so much of society going, all right, we'll lock down for three months and then come on, it's got to be gone by then. And for lots of various reasons, a lot of city, state, federal level going, yeah, sure. It's gone because it's been three months. It's got to be. It's got to be. And I know there's the whole economic thing. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, I think I'm I'm hopeful and excited because I think that um, it is natural for humans to fear change because I think we often interpret change as loss. Mm-hmm. We know that we are going to lose something. And so it it allows us to the prospect of change is an opportunity for us to give into multiple deep personal and cultural fears. Mm -hmm. And as a storyteller and a consumer of a lot of pop culture, I'm, uh, I'm trying to be aware of how many of our stories are heroes defending, uh, the status quo from change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's valid because I think it grows from this idea of, hey, there's a vulnerable community, there's vulnerable people, and someone or something bad is coming in, and so the hero stands up and is a shield. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of grows from that point, but at a certain point, and it's been manipulated by film and television, I think purposefully in some eras, it get just gets into your psyche pretty deep that the way to stay safe is to preserve things the way they are. Mm-hmm. And I think in actual history, when things have become better for large swaths of people, it's because there's been some kind of change. Mm-hmm. But I think because so often the villain in a story is promoting change, usually that's very bad change, <laughs> like, you know, objectively bad, like murdering people or blowing mm-hmm. up the planet. Bad change, I think we can all agree on, <laughs> but it still gets in our psyches, I think, pretty deep that change is scary. Mm-hmm. And heroes stop <laughs> bad change. change from happening. But that little difference, that difference between change and bad change, that difference between maybe a lot more of us will work from home and we'll deal with, uh, you know, climate change effectively is change. Mm-hmm. An alien wants to blow up the whole planet for no reason is bad change. <laughs> but I think there's a danger of them sort of not being distinct in our minds and us not even really uh, uh, analyzing it. Mm-hmm. because we are so conditioned to preserve the status quo. Even when we look at it, we know that change is what makes us get evolve and, and get to a better place. Yeah. Yeah. I Again, I would say great analogy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I think that's a really interesting insight. Um, and I'm just going to go way back here and say, like, think about fire. another great answer to how are you i'm thinking about fire think about fire but fire i assume i wasn't there if you hadn't seen it was scary has scary properties to it if you don't manage it well but also it can do good things like cook food that you can't eat raw or might make you sick and then um you know have you be healthier provide light like i just that's such a simplification of um early 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 history but why not bring it down to basics (laughs) because honestly what i was thinking about is you know you're saying big changes like blowing up the planet um 
it does come down to that that very instinctual fearing of change. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really good thing to think about and to uh, develop. My other favorite thing to bring up, nuance. <laughs> <laughs> nuance and trees all the time in this household. Oy. Um I only need to say like three things a day now. Nuance, trees, climate change. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to pick three things to say no matter what, those are pretty damn good. I mean, at least to like cross off each day. Not oh, a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's I, funny that you only say three things and one of them is nuance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I will. I will not lie to anybody. I will not only be saying three things a day. Okay. I'm going to say Star Wars, James Bond, variety. And then the variety would be really ironic because there's not enough variety. Anyway, your point, <laughs> trees and nuance. Excellent. Uh, no, I was just thinking that um, the nuance of, of fear and giant change versus small change. And yeah, it's just it's an interesting thing to think about that I had not fully thought about. So I'm sitting here thinking about it out loud. Yeah. And I think it, it is uh, well documented in history and in authoritarian governments that uh, we have a natural tendency to want to go back to the way things were. And I think we have a cultural bias in a lot of us to imagine earlier times better uh, or, or certainly simpler. I think some of that is because, uh, yeah, I know the 80s weren't simple, but when I imagine just me playing with my action figures on a shag carpet, it feels simpler because I knew my parents didn't like Reagan, but I didn't fully understand nuclear war, right? <laughs> or the atrocities of you know, the, the drug war and things like that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I think we're all sort of um, susceptible to that on an individual level. Mm-hmm. And then just as a tactic from authoritarian governments or want to be authoritarian governments, don't you want to go back to that better time, back to that status quo that got changed on you? And it again vilifies the idea of change Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what's going on with make america great again keep america great again they they might as well just say status quo status quo status quo and so i just feel like i don't know i feel like change i mean obviously there are things that are doing this like you know change.org uh (laughs) but you know change uh, just needs a lot of uh, uh people cheerleading it as an idea yeah, yeah. That it is not a thing to be feared because I think we have internalized status quo is better than change, or mm-hmm. at least some of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the things are, are rosier back then. In an imagined it's, past, it's, right? Yeah, it's having worked in a lot of um, large mansions, people was like, oh, imagine working, you know, living when here and I'm always like, yeah, I would have been one of the servants and I know that, so... <laughs> I'm happy to be here in this reality. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being the 1% back then. It probably would have been good, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Heard that that 1%. Yep. It sure would have. Uh, all right. I was going to ask you if there are moments in history that you find yourself comparing this moment to. I feel like we did talk to his talk about history a lot, mm-hmm. but are there any other moments in history that you're thinking about? Um, not off the top of my head. I, I feel like we've touched on um, a lot of the ones from the 20th century. Okay. Um, and it's it's not exactly a you know it's not an A to A comparison. It's it's an A to B plus C plus E minus F, and you know we'll yeah. see where we end up. Yeah. 
Um, How about you? Yeah, I think for myself, and I have had to take to saying this on podcasts uh, for utter clarity, I am not personally calling for a violent revolution right now. Awuga, not calling for violent revolution. But as uh, not even an amazing student of history, just a basic student of history, I do think about a lot of change does come down to um, acts of uh, uh, sometimes violence, but sometimes just breaking the rules. Because if the rules don't work and no one is willing to even discuss changing them, and the way that we have... um, Again, I do not want violent revolution, but, you know, the Boston Tea Party was that would not have happened if like there's just so many people saying, well, I agree with change, but you should just always do it through the proper channels and you should never break any rules. Well, no, no, no true dynamic, uh, not no true dynamic change. Obviously, in the times where America has worked and laws have passed and changed things, great. And that's that's what I want. I'm calling for that <laughs> officially, not violent revolution. But it, it is um, it is on my mind a lot mm-hmm. because there's also just, I mean, a friend said this to me years ago, and I hadn't really thought about it, of like the level of income disparity that we have in America is not sustainable. And historically, it has often ended in violence. And I don't want violence. Mm -hmm. I want that income inequality to change in the most peaceful way. But I am aware of, like, historically, we are dancing up to times when violence happened. Mm -hmm. And I would really rather not. So it makes me even more um, uh, desiring as much nonviolent change as possible. Mm -hmm. Does that... Uh, yeah, I'd agree with uh, desiring nonviolent change. <laughs> but you have to, I mean, I'm not calling for anything, but it's so hard to talk about because I I got accused of calling for violent revolution uh, by talking about Rogue One. Um, that uh, it, it just as a student of history, you have to say like, yeah, but in other instances like this, what happened next? Violent revolution. So maybe let's avoid that yeah. by listening to people. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I didn't, I was not um, in any way not fervently agreeing with what you were saying. And I think it is, it's interesting because it's so, it's so nuanced. Uh, <laughs> no, like it's so, <laughs> exactly. But there's so many, um, I feel like there are so many aspects. And because this, like all of these topics, there's a lot going on in there. There's not, there's not one answer. There's not one approach. And there's not one set of parameters that people listen to other people talking about this and where they're coming from. And so it, it is really hard, I think, to talk about it and not have somebody be like, what? You mentioned Rogue One. You want revolution, which I also <laughs> am saying. Not what I'm saying. Not at all what I'm saying. Um, peaceful change. But it is. But I think it is very important to be aware of of the history of different times, different movements. I certainly, you know, am a mediocre student of history, do not have... Mm, Much better than me. But I I mean, there's, I do not at all consider myself to be a a deep dive and get my, (laughs) get all of my story straight. But I feel like there's a lot of good um, examples in the US, in the world to look at, to say like, okay, where were things at? What were some of the factors that were going on? Why were people upset? And what 
what triggered the violence that happened and how can we prevent that? Or what do we see now because we have 90 years or 120 years or, you know, depending on which thing you're looking at, I, I just am having a long-winded, long-winded way of saying, yes, I agree. Yeah. Let's look at that and try to um, find nonviolent ways to change things for the better instead. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Because um, also violent change did not off- always lead to better. Yes, that is very true. Uh, see, you are a better student of history than me. I'm cherry picking history <laughs> in the way I, I was discussing it. Um, yeah, and I think there's a difference between like um, literal violence and then uh, disruption. Mm-hmm. Most changes, even you know, peaceful legal ones, still have a level of disruption because that's what that's what change is. It's yeah. you know, it's the line was going this way, and then the line went you know did a squiggle. <laughs> it's different now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we talked a lot about the moment that we're in, how we're feeling about change. Let's talk about what the new normal might actually be. Yeah. What kind of new ideas do you think might evolve specifically from the pandemic and the lockdown? Mm. I mean, I think some, just kind of to throw out some of the um, maybe more obvious ones, I think certainly reframing, revisiting who needs to be at work and when and yeah. how and... Some of those rules where I think a lot of people are just like, no, you must be in the building at all times or else you are not working. I think certainly not for everybody there. You cannot do construction work if you're not there doing the construction work. Like there are you cannot, you know, it take care of the person hard to rivet uh, from home yeah. in the hospital if you're not right there taking care of them. Um, so I'm not saying it works for everybody, but I think it is a good moment for reconsidering some of that. Um and I think also included with that, like some like travel for work related purposes, whether it's short distance within um, within a city or longer distance of, OK, do we actually need to be in the same room for this meeting or conference? Or is it actually better if we do it virtually or some parts virtually and some parts in person? Yeah. Um, so that's just I mean, I feel like kind of an obvious one to say. I think it'll be really interesting tying tying climate change back in there because because i want to um i think it's gonna be and i think this is maybe why this is one of the places i get um one of the most obsessed about it is because i am as you know a big fan of public transportation yes and that is one of going to be one of the big hurdles um as people uh in lots of mass transit are packed together like sardines you're all touching the same surfaces you're all breathing the same air and that i don't know if we'll ever go back to that but i also don't feel like everybody suddenly driving their own car to every place they're going is gonna help us um you know and my brain goes everywhere from like okay is there like do some roads i know this is a version of of us like do we get like a, a monorail except it's like wasn't it the jet sensor like everybody had their own car pod or something like uh, to the best of my cartoon recollection yes. <laughs> you know like some sort of like you get in but it's still somehow i mean it's still shared so there's that or do we convert more some streets are bike streets and some streets are car streets and i i think some countries already do that but is not just a lane because i you know i'm not a big biker but for me here in los angeles i am terrified of biking here yes um because because cars are crazy (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know or are there more pedestrian streets so some of those things are honestly some of what i get most excited about 
and hopeful and nervous all at once because I really want it to be good change. And I think it would be so easy to be bad change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that makes a lot of sense in in industries that have profited off the way things were are going to be everywhere with commercials that just are, you know, Don Draper's fantasy of making you feel <laughs> like it's over and it's so comfortable that you can look, you can get on a plane and here's a picture of you going home for Christmas. Think of that feeling. Planes shouldn't end. There shouldn't be high-speed rail that connects the coasts. Mm -hmm. Go back to the way you knew. (laughs) Like, I think there's going to be, I think we're going to see that hardcore. Mm -hmm. And then the people who go, this is an opportunity to rethink. Yeah. Are going to have to be sort of just as loud and bold. Yeah. Is the go back to the way it was. Yeah. And, And personally, I hope that there will be like, some bold, not not just not just bike lanes, but like, what are the bold changes that can happen because of this? And maybe some of them we won't see for, you know, 10, 15 years because it it takes time and it fits newer technology and planning and all of that. And none of it is cheap and nobody has money right now. So I'm not saying that's a fast change. But when we look back in 50 years, can this be a moment of inspired change yeah that that's what i hope for yeah specifically with the pandemic and post pandemic new normal transportation (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i I think what you said sounded uh much better than i think what what you think it sounded like it it sounded good it sounded good made made a ton of sense to me so there that's two two ideas i'm sure i could go on but yeah yeah i i agree with the working from home i think there's going to be a huge reevaluation of that um i think that there might just be a general cultural shift in the way we relate to inside versus outside in lots of different ways yeah like i do think humans need to interact in person with other humans and Mm -hmm. i think if there, this is a cartoon reality that won't happen. But if there was, it's what would happen in a in a movie. If there's a perfect, uh, uh, you know, vaccine and it, we we get it all you know, mailed to us all on you know November first, and we shoot it in our own arms, and it's all perfect, and we're back to normal. I think there'd be an explosion of events, events, events. But if we live with this for long enough, I think there might be more people who kind of get comfortable with. Well, I've kind of figured out a stay at home culture, like. There are mm. people who work from home, mm-hmm. but I, I wonder by the time, like, well, we've adapted a lot of entertainment. Social media is already adapting a lot of us to get some of the community interaction we need and things like Twitch or gaming online. You know, like, there's a lot of ways that you can stay at home and still have a sense of community. In movies, we're already heading in this exact direction in being a challenge for the industry where. People were only going to movie theaters for huge events that you wanted to share. Mm. You know, if there was like just a fun rom-com with, you know, Keanu Reeves. People love Keanu Reeves, but they'd wait for that. Mm -hmm. But if there is John Wick 5 and you want to go with all of your buddies because it's an IP you know, then you'll leave for that event movie. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I'll, if that exact struggle that movies were having of, yeah, there there is still a market for weird movies, little movies, indie movies, but people are only truly coming out in numbers that that are significant for event movies. If that just sort of, I leave the house for events. 
rather than, you know, uh, obviously all of culture is very different, but I think our general just like stereotype, if you're trying to explain it to an alien, a, in a, in an American adult gets up, goes to work, does something and then comes home. Many times they stay at home. Other times they go out and uh, hang out with friends or they go to a movie, but only on these venues. You know, like, and I wonder if that is just going to get entirely reframed and a lot of people will just be like, I am a 98% stay-at-home person and then 2% of the time I go out for events, things that can't be missed, things that can only be acquired mm-hmm. in the outside world. Yeah, interesting. And if there were enough people did, who did that, how would all sorts of other... Um, industries and economies sort of reshape around that. Yeah. And I feel like in some ways, a lot of things are already going in that direction of trying to make everything an event as opposed to just another thing you could go to. But this, you must go to this because it's the event of the week. And this is like, if I feel like that was already a, a trend. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see if that, if it explodes and, everything is an event because everybody wants people to go to their thing or if it does boil down and there are fewer things going on but they are bigger events yeah not necessarily in terms of numbers of people because i think that'll be interesting too to see like do people just have a a limit on what size crowds they're willing to be in yeah i mean that could be just a yeah and that could be just like yeah trauma from from this Mm -hmm. it could be that people are like you know, I, I'm happy to go to a movie and even, you know, after this is passed, I still wear a mask kind of just in case. Like I think some masks might hang around just as a, it's just a, and no handshakes and masks. Mm-hmm. It's just a little safer out in the world, you know, but, but I wonder if there will be just people as maybe even, you know, younger people who are, who are growing up in this, who are just be like Coachella. That's a, death trap why would you ever do that you know <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah and I, I i'm saying these things uh, i'm not saying them with with judgment because i think another thing that happens with change is we all grow up with a normal mm-hmm. and we really just think that that is there's some universal truth to that and there are so many things that just we decide as an absolute society you know if if it was just considered absolutely culturally uh, appropriate to uh, do a fake sneeze before you walk through a door, we would do that. And then people who didn't do that would be weirdos. Mm-hmm. Like we can just, as a culture, if it happens, we can make anything normal. That's what culture is, right? Yeah. And I wonder just like how some of these things are going to slide. Because like I, I have lived long enough to to again with like no judgment but the when it when it started to become clear to me (laughs) that there was a massive culture around uh, live game streams of people Mm -hmm. watching other people play a video game that in my lifetime that had been a joke that was just something if you went to a friend's house and they didn't let you have a turn on, on the game that was called being an asshole and now it is a booming business and a legitimate thing that many people want to do. And I think of that and think lots of, lots of things can change quickly and not just generationally. Yeah. And become a new normal. Yeah. I think that's a a very good example. Yeah. 
Uh, my other big hope for a change, and this is this is way up there in the hope column, not <laughs> not prediction. There's so much going on with the pandemic, and I think with uh, long-standing issues of uh, men's horrible uh, behavior toward women being uh, sort of um, protected by the institution of they have some power in this industry, so you kind of see it, but don't say anything, or all, all that kind of horrible stuff. Obviously, mm -hmm. the racial inequality um, has been going on for centuries and has not been fully uh, dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is an opportunity for a lot of people to see and experience the idea that, hey, the more we all help one another and make things better for one another, it's actually nicer for all of us. Because I think we are so wired by um, cultural experience and a lot of times personal experience to to be selfish, honestly. Um and, and to be concerned that if somebody else is getting a leg up, then they're somehow taking something from me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, it's very complicated and that, that goes to, down into the weeds of every issue and all that. But just things like there's I, I read a couple reports about how the um, because of some of the government payouts, which, again, in. I will say for me, they're not government payouts. They're us sharing money with one another because financially we are the government. Um, that it, it, it the the poverty level mm -hmm. is better, and it's just that reminder of like, hey, you know, there's a lot of people like really suffering, and they just don't have to be. Yeah. If we decided that everybody should be doing decently, everybody should have a home mm -hmm. in just the absolute basics of life. Mm -hmm. And that says nothing against the American dream of you can still pursue whatever job you want. You can still excel in whatever job you want, but just can we just absolutely lead with empathy? Yeah. And can we experience that? Hey, maybe actually if a lot of people are doing better and happier, that will be a better world for me. <laughs> <laughs> two and it won't right. be taking anything from me yeah i like that hope <laughs> i like that hope a lot uh do you do you uh have any concerns about uh, what i said or oh no i mean it uh, it's of course in, in insanely complicated and all of that but i i absolutely think that if we are connected and i feel like i think you said this to me early on um in in the coronavirus world how much this is really showing how much we are all connected with each other yeah in ways that maybe we didn't really think about before um and i'll say that for myself like certainly in some ways that i didn't think about before of just you know like if you think about tracking you know like oh i mean this is the touch the touch tracing of like oh i touched the doorknob and the person before me had touched this bag and they had touched this and like you know, you can get obsessive with all of that. But no, I th I think, um, I mean, I, I would say, of course, but it doesn't seem to be, of course. In in my perfect world, everybody would have a roof over their heads and be able to feed themselves and have health care. Yeah. Um, and that honestly is one of my other, I would say, big hope 
changes that I hope comes out of this is healthcare that we, Mm -hmm. that healthcare is not as tied to employment, ideally not tied to employment and that people do have healthcare because if we were taking care of people's health, you know, it's a super contagious disease. I know there's a lot more to it, but I feel like that would, that would help. And if people weren't scared to go to the doctor because they didn't think they'd be able to pay for it. Yeah. And I feel like that fear of future trauma is such a big factor for so many people, so many people. And I just would love to see that. Yeah. I think I have more hope for those changes than I ever have because what what changes people is um, experience, right? I mean, that even goes to like teaching. You want to open the door and have a person walk into the room of discovery themselves. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just stand there and describe the room and go, you know it now, right? Like you want to lead the person to make the discovery for themselves. Yeah. And I think one of the things about the pandemic is you can certainly have individual experiences within it, but it is not an individual experience. It is an experience in which it constantly reminds you that we are connected. The mask thing, when I, when you know, there'd been confusion about the masks and the, about the science of it and, and, trying to really make sure that doctors had them first and make sure that the way we were hoarding toilet paper, we weren't hoarding masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once it became clear of like, oh, the science is emerging that I wear my mask to protect you, you wear your mask to protect me, this is like a, uh, that's a just basic analogy for we are all one organism, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just so goes against any of the other sort of psychology we have about conflict and competition and if, Somebody has two of something, that means they took two of mine. And all of that kind of thinking uh, is just literally like, hey, if we can all be healthy, then we can all go back to the movies together. Mm-hmm. And it, and But if enough of us decide, nah, nah, I don't want that. I want this. I want to go to a bar. And we're seeing this right now. Mm-hmm. It's not just a selfish thing. We're like, you know what? It's my choice. I'm going to go to a bar. That bar is going to be taken away for you too because we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And the, the power of those like just experiential moments where all of our individual actions affect the whole, I'm just really hoping can can be translated into a, remember we're all connected. So what can we all do to lift all of us up? Mm-hmm. Okay, you ready for me to tie this into trees? Please do. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting. Right. So it's just like um, there have been studies and I think semi-recent discoveries about this. And I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's basically the giant spores that live under the ground with these trees, with trees being connected to each other through this network underneath the ground. And there is, um, you know, scientific evidence of trees that are dead or dying being given uh, nutrients from the other trees through this fungal system it's not their roots it's this whole other like like a fungal highway spore system underneath the ground and uh you know all other things of like oh a dangerous insect has landed on the first tree so it sends off a scent that tells the other trees to send off their scent that makes makes the insects go away like it is a great example of being connected. Yeah. And I feel like we can all be more nuanced and we can all be more like trees. Well, now I just want to have us dress up like trees and do <laughs> a live on the internet show about 
how we're connected. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, though, because, I mean, this is uh, in a lot of storytelling, you know, nature is sort of elevated. Like that's the since you mentioned trees, I'll mention Star Wars. That's the whole uh, one of the large dichotomies of Star Wars. You know, turn off the targeting computer, turn off the rigid artificial thing and listen to your instincts, be in the flow. We are all connected. Luke is connected to the tree, to the water, to the ship, to the land. And uh, I think trees are great. Just I think that's why that metaphor gets made in stories, Mm -hmm. because we have evidence all around us. You know, that whole ecosystem thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) That whole thing. (laughs) That whole thing in that whole of, hey, if we make this technology, this part of the world gets hot. And then that floods this part of it. And like, oh, like the world is this just big, dumb Rube Goldberg machine. Right. Those insects, (laughs) actually really important. (laughs) Right. Uh, And uh, and I think it's just like if if we could just kind of look at that and accept that a little bit more and, and strip away some of the uh cultural artifice we've we've built on this natural world that denies the sort of the 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 spore system beneath our feet <laughs> yeah okay and my I, I don't want to cut you off no no and, no and your spore system from star wars no 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 I'm, I'm done talking about star wars for now so then maybe i'll get into the uh, symbiont circle the gungans <laughs> and the naboo anyway please do so this is a, a crazy idea um kind of an out there idea not a crazy idea but a um out there idea that probably won't happen but what if one of the big changes that happens is as people um as we kind of look at how can we help society deal with all of this and maybe this is already certain schools like Montessori I'm not sure but what if the first few years of school were just nature (laughs) <laughs> like you learn about nature you get into it and you know yes you'll still learn reading and math and other things that have been scientifically proven that you need to learn early on but what if that was a really big um focus of like up through let's say second grade i don't i'm not an early education specialist i have no idea i'm just throwing numbers out there <laughs> but wouldn't that be i wonder what kind of effect that would have if there were just that like um encouraged and nurtured connection with nature Mm -hmm. what effect that would have on people then throughout their lives yeah i think it would have a a great effect i think if i'm gonna go super progressive (laughs) i think some sometimes we just get encrusted with the system we have and things are hard to change and all that but i think there is that also i don't have anything against conflict in stories or competition in sports or you know playing a trivia game conflict is a part of how humans learn it's a part of how our brains are wired we enjoy it and and it's a part of how we grow so i don't think all conflict should go away but i think if you challenge the idea of hey we're all together and we should work together it starts to to nibble at the edges of how much of our society and our economy is based on the paradigm of conflict in a winner and a loser. I don't want that. I don't think that idea needs to go away. I think it's a healthy part. But I do get like, I, I wonder if you tried to teach, if you tried to revise the school system. And again, much like you, not an expert on, <laughs> on school systems. But it was, it was reading, math, nature, critical thinking. <laughs> like those were the things you got in elementary school. Mm-hmm. If there would be pushback because there some industries like don't want you to question the system. 
Oh, yeah. Because if you really go like, I don't know if I, I don't know about, you know, if everything should be conflict-based. I don't think, you know, Wall Street would be real, real happy with people questioning how much of the world should be conflict-based. Yeah. 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 I think it'd be an interesting experiment. It would be. Well, we've covered a lot that we know about and even more that <laughs> we are not experts I on no in idea. any way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah. But uh, big picture stuff. I want to talk briefly about social norms. Yeah. What kind of social norms do you think might change by the time we get to a new normal? Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly I think the the whole handshake hug thing. I mean, hugs already were kind of a not as standard. I think it depends certain um, cultures, really certain evolving. industries. Um, it is part of it. Um, but others, uh, but handshakes, I think, I mean, I have even, I've, I have been at work and there been at a few meetings where I've met people and there's that like waving uh, somebody the other day to somebody else. I saw them. They're like, well, here, the COVID kick. And they uh, <laughs> kicked yeah. boots. And I was like, well, you know, that works. Sure. Maybe. I don't know that I want to do that, but. I'm fine with that as greeting. I am uncomfortable with the term let's kick boots because that's too close to the I, euphemism for sex. Knock boots. It's not, true. No. And I, I don't think they said that. that that's me just adding <laughs> unnecessary layers of unneeded nuance. <laughs> the COVID kick. Go back to that. The COVID kick is much better than let's kick boots. Yeah. But I, I think I feel like there's something. um waving i don't know that might feel awkward but maybe we can get used to it i feel like there's something you know with with hands that aren't touching that we could do you know you know like um like the like open hands or something i don't i i don't know i think waving's pretty damn good waving's good i do have one friend who does not shake hands and has has just told me like yeah it makes me uncomfortable yeah and then a couple times that i greeted him i felt just like this wave of energy going through my body of like, what do I do with my body? Yeah. To say hello. And I've, I've taken to waving. Yeah. Even if we're, you know, standing a foot apart. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's great. I have had a few with, and this is something that's certainly only appropriate in some situations. Um, but since it is not possible to, um, <laughs> do physically distant hugs, um, but do kind of like, uh, like, like one person, like you kind of do a virtual hug, like you hug yourself and the other person hugs himself and it's like, hug. Oh, make a hugging gesture Like a hugging at gesture one at one another. Yeah. I um, think hugs are, are due for major cultural reevaluation. Yeah. And that's why I say like this is with certain people, like there are certain people I absolutely feel like that is what I, I have done it a few times and would do with other people. Other places, absolutely not. And if people that I didn't have that relationship with were like, virtual hug, Sarah, I'd be like, creep, no. <laughs> if they just said virtual hug? What, and did the hugging gesture? Yeah. Or I guess even just said virtual hug. Yeah. Maybe. But if it was a culturally agreed upon thing. If it were a culturally agreed upon thing. But then what meaning does it have? Does it mean, is it just a general hello or does it mean a certain level of familiarity? I feel like it's more a thing amongst friends. Yes. Like a friend that in the past you would hug. Now you can do a virtual hug. Yeah, yeah. It's been interesting because I've just tried to hu uh, excise hugs uh, from my greeting repertoire unless it's you <laughs> mm -hmm. or other family members or, or friends that I know to be huggers. Mm -hmm. And um, like I, I had just made a decision uh, that, you know, for guests on Obsessed uh, in, the, in the before times that 
I used to just try to read people's body language. I would never instigate a hug. Mm -hmm. but I, And so I would just try to read people's body language if they were sort of opening for that. Mm -hmm. And I just got to the point of just like, nope, there there can be too much of a gray area and I want to show absolute respect. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, uh, and, and it was awkward at first because I did have a couple of those. Like I reached out for a handshake and somebody would just look at me like I was nuts mm -hmm. uh, but it, it eventually got to a good place where people who were truly a hugger started to say like i'm a hugger could i give you a hug or just like truly just like physically reached out with arms uh -huh. i don't mind hugging people and, and i was luckily never in a position where it was somebody who you know i didn't want to hug but yeah it, it for me it just feels like we it's it's really uh, up for massive reevaluation yeah 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 uh, and I recognize other people have a much more complicated relationship for it. But for me, that was a real, you know, that was an interesting learning experience to see how many people just assumed hug, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Or, or, or there was a battle between the people of like, especially after the podcast of like, it clearly went well. <laughs> Every instinct is telling me that we both had a good time and enjoyed one another's company. And then a little like, yeah, what happens now? Well, and I think there is. <laughs> and I mean, just hug. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Do not want to cut that part off. I think there is that weirdness because handshakes have become so much a thing of business culture. But there is also a weirdness because I've caught myself like, I'll be helping with like a in the before times with a show and we'll meet a guest that you're having on a show and I'll shake their hand because I've been at work all day where I'm supposed to be shaking people's hands and then I wash my hands. Um, but and they're just like, OK, weirdo. Uh, I mean, they don't <laughs> yeah, say that. They say that with their eyes because it's not a neutral greeting, right? It's businessy. It's businessy. It feels weird. It feels like I've just gone and put on a suit and a tie. I'm like, hello. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm here to do a comedy show. Um but I also had that. So I so I, I think it is interesting. We do need what's that middle ground for not, I mean, nobody's shaking hands right now, but what is the greeting for not super businessy, not informal, not everybody is a hugger. Yeah, for respecting and inquiring about everyone's boundaries. Yeah. You know, and, and making it making safer for virus stuff, but also just building up uh, a, a walls where people can't take advantage yeah. of people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I totally get the business thing because there were a couple of like weird ones for me where like we would do the podcast and, and it would end up going as the podcast sometimes do to like a deeper place and somebody would, you know, talk about uh, this thing that was their whole life and how, you know, it brought them closer to their parents and they felt like without this their life would be incomplete and like you know and, and it was the the one thing they shared with their parent right before they died and it was beautiful and then podcast ends are like here's a handshake uh, let's circle back on tuesday feels like such a disconnect yeah. from the you know totally non-physical you know intellectual emotional intimacy mm -hmm. that had just been shared yeah you know yeah yeah i admire cultures that bow <laughs> there we go easy easy um for me, one social norm change, I wonder, because we, because these issues that we're talking about cut across lots of different issues that we're dealing with, mm -hmm. um, if there might just be more sort of, um, I think social norms, certainly you're educated on them in culture. Like in the 50s, there was the like, here here are all the little, the weird movies that you get shown in school about how mm -hmm. to do everything from tying your shoes to going on a date, right? Um, <laughs> uh 
but I think in in more recent times in America, at least, culture has just sort of grown and morphed, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're going to see a reevaluation of that. We're like, we're going to have a cultural discussion and we're going to have like more defined social events and spaces mm-hmm. and like more like, and, and I think that uh, for physical interaction, mm-hmm. but also for, you and I talked about this last week about Twitter, like it is a different thing to feel community over social media or even over a Twitch stream in a chat room where like that's a different kind of intimacy where people kind of feel like there are rules, there are parameters. It's why a lot of people like board games because I get together with people and then it's a structured event so we don't have to kind of stand around and figure it out. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if just more things are going to emerge where like here's the kind of event you're coming to. Not like we don't have those, but like Mm -hmm. even more of them and have them even more normalized yeah that, like here's a, a six person specific you know this kind of party mm-hmm. you know with a little bit more you know structured expectations yeah so everybody can relax into them we'll go back to bridge parties yeah you know like i feel like that's that was a thing i'm sure that many people still do it it is kind of like board games but that that is a thing that i feel like i would hear my grandparents talk about of like, oh, well, I've got my bridge group on Fridays or something, you know, and that's what they would do. But it was a structure and a way to hang out, but a limited number of people um, because you, only so many people can play the game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the more I think of it, I know there are plenty of events like that, that, but I just wonder if it's, I feel like in a way I can't quite imagine it's going to be different and maybe mm-hmm. influenced by the... Um, social norms that we're that many of us are getting used to online and i wonder Mm. if any of the sort of norms that we're getting used to online will somehow morph and translate into our events in person yeah so this is kind of a maybe a bizarre tangent from that i don't know if you've seen the pictures of i I think there's a few parks that have done this um where the parks have painted circles Mm. on the grass and so the idea is that um you know the park is open but you you go and you stay within your circle. Um, but I wonder if it would be a thing of when you say you're going to have a, a picnic with friends in the park, but you still want to stay physically distant, but you have to limit how many people can be there because you need to be able to hear each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like maybe it's whatever, like four households. But then also because of the ways that we're used to interacting online, it maybe in some ways doesn't feel weird because in some ways it's like okay we're doing now we're doing a live zoom (laughs) we're doing a live house party you know we're all in our box like we're used to seeing each other on video chats but it's in person but we still can't touch and interact because we're in our circle but we're in person yeah yeah i don't know kind of a bizarre connection to what you're saying no 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 i think it's a it's a major thing that i'm obsessed with because of the nature of the stuff that i do is on on video you can't have playful fast banter because you you can't hear one another or it slows down the feed and i wonder if there's going to be um if people will be conditioned to a be a little bit better about i have completed my sentence period and then (laughs) somebody else speaks and then because you can't do like little fun interjections yeah uh, without messing up the feed and I I obsess on little fun interjections because I feel like I am uh, decent at them. 
for a lot of people, little fun interjections are <laughs> somebody screaming over you. Uh, so it'd be great if that happened less. Mm-hmm. If you followed uh, Zoom rules and did not shout over other people. Yep, because on Zoom, if something to say, raise your hand. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if that's everywhere, but that's most of the like meetings and things that I'm in. Um, you know, either there's a Q&A box and then if there's a moderator and the moderator gives you permission to, to speak or type your question or raise your hand, like there's a like button for raise your hand. But I've been in, um, whether it's smaller meetings or larger meetings, um, so that you don't have everybody talking at once, you raise your hand and whoever's leading the meeting calls on the person. Wow. See, I think we're going to have more uh, social interactions like that. Yeah. We're going to have parties where there'll be like a spinner. <laughs> <laughs> You'll in sit charge. in a circle and there'll be a spinner. And then it, when it points at you. You chat for a little while and it spins somebody else. (laughs) They chat for a little while and see what kind of uh, conversation comes out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Definitely going to be some changes. This is the last kind of big picture question I have for you. Uh, I'm going to start with a thesis. Okay. Are you ready for the thesis? I have been trying to accept that we are going to be in a state of crisis for a while. Because even for myself, when this first happened, I was like, yeah, you know, and by June or July, maybe, you know, I'll be doing live comedy shows again. Mm, big conventions probably won't happen this year, but kind of some semblance of n- no. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so many other things are happening. Um, the nature of what is going to happen with this election between the uh, pandemic, between the amount of uh, voter suppression that we are seeing in states primaries, um, and that's not an opinion. That's just a fact. Go go look at yep. how how reduced polling places are. Um, that and then the you know huge question of if Trump is soundly defeated, if he will push back or resist in any way. Uh, and then on top of that, what all is going on with the pandemic? How many different waves are we going to have had? What other impacts is that going to have on? the economy and if the economy keeps going in in a bad direction what other things are going to kind of break under the strain Mm -hmm. that i am starting to think of like we are going to be in a state of some kind of crisis at minimum until february of 2021 Mm -hmm. at minimum and at this point when i'm seeing like that's really great that you're claiming black widow's coming out in the fall i I'm not going to mark it down on my calendar as much as I want to see the MCU movie Black Widow. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, uh, there's a lot of obviously opinion in that, that people can agree and disagree with. But my general thesis is we are going to be in some form of uh, the the throes of change for a long time. Mm -hmm. Does thinking about it that way help or does it just, or is it just incredibly stressful? It's too much. Um, so I was actually thinking about this yesterday or earlier today. I don't remember if I um, if I told you that I was thinking about this also, but I feel like for the first few months, we've all been sprinting. Mm. And for I th- it's a good metaphor, so it comes into my mind a lot, but it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Um, a lot of people have been saying that about the protests as well. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, and you need to... Um, act appropriately. Uh, I was going to say train appropriately, but um, just realize that. And, you know, we can't all run at full speed all the time, which I feel like a little bit of like, well, we'll all stay home and then we'll go back and nothing will have changed. And that's not going to happen. And this ongoing series of change 
all of the changes that you're mentioning, all of the unrest, all of the uncertainty, uncertainty for us is absolutely a marathon. And to me, when I think of it that way, it's not fearful. It's just, okay, this is, this is what our um, state of existence is. Mm -hmm. That that's a fact. Very few of us individually can change it. Right. We can make an impact. We can make an impact in little ways, but we can't just flip a switch. But yeah, but very few of us can be like, oh, I'm my bad. Let me just, you know, like say goodbye, coronavirus. Did I not do that earlier? I (laughs) I didn't flip the coronavirus switch. Switch. Yeah. I meant to hit that (laughs) button. I hit the green button instead of the red button. Whoops. You know, like that's what I mean. Like very few of us have significant amounts of power to change one thing quickly. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like. For me, at least mentally, that helps to be like, okay, this is getting back to how I uh, answered the how are you question. Like, this is what the new normal is. This is, it's constantly changing, but within that, you can also be constantly changing. Like, how are you? Well, within this new normal, today I'm okay. Tomorrow Mm. I might not be. Tomorrow I might be having a really rough day because of any number of things related to the the new normal or not related to the ongoing state of crises. Yeah. I think that's great. I love the, uh, the marathon. Um, thank you. That analogy, I think it, it, you know, I've heard people apply it to, you know, uh, because it's the, uh, world that I'm into, you know, having a successful career in Hollywood, but you know, I, Mm -hmm. I think I know people can apply it to all of their various life experiences, most things in life. Mm hmm. Except for sprints <laughs> are not sprints. They are marathons. It's mm-hmm. a great analogy. But I think the way that it helps me is to, A, to just look at, we are in this moment of history in, in, and to see that, yep, the the pandemic is going to affect the, um, the, the need to protest for massive social change is going to impact the election is going to impact, you know, industries in ways that we can't, that very few people I think have the knowledge of the big picture to know, Oh yeah. If, if this collapses, then this rises. And then this like, but a, it it makes me feel better about just being aware of like everything is connected. So we, we, we are in the middle of this, uh, you know, a huge event that isn't just the pandemic or just the protests or just the election or just the economy. It's all so mm-hmm. deeply connected. So that makes me feel like I, it can get me out of the headspace that I was in when the pandemic happened of the pandemic will end. And then we'll go back to quote unquote normal, which was already stressful in many sprints oh. or many marathons uh, that were not sprints. Um, but I think it also just help, makes me feel better to say, I it, to to your sprint marathon mm-hmm. analogy, to say, I can't, humans can't be in a state of individual crisis constantly, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be putting that on ourselves. Yeah, I think acknowledging every morning I get up, this massive roiling change will change a little bit, and within that, I can take all sorts of personal actions mm-hmm. you know from the way i interact with people to uh, you know signing a petition to if you can afford it you know giving money to certain places to you know you know depending on what your job is obviously there are people who are making massive differences um 
And I believe that in that sort of individual power that like, yep, every day we can do some little thing, but then we also must take care of ourselves. We must recognize that we are living in a time of incredible stress and crisis and do what we can to also, you know, take care of ourselves and try to get good sleep and, and that so we can kind of continue to be there for one another and for ourselves so that we can stay in the marathon Mm-hmm. and not just twist our ankles by sprinting for <laughs> months on end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that that helps. I I absolutely believe that because I feel like like you said humans are not built to sustain this level of stress for this long. Um and we need to all accept that we're going to have better days. We're going to have not as good days. We did before this, but we're going to maybe even more now. And and there's, and to, to be okay with that, to give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think what you just said about doing that so that we can still be there for each other is very, very important because I feel like um, throughout all of this, that's the way we're going to keep moving each other forward is maybe, you know, today I have a good day and you have a bad day so I can help carry a little bit of the extra weight, but then tomorrow you can carry it for the next person. And that's how we all keep everything moving forward, keep finding the hope toward Mm -hmm. the hopeful new normal and also keep the connection because we do still need that human connection, even if it's six feet apart. Yeah. I think that's extremely well said. So well said that I'm not going to say anything more. We're going to move on (laughs) to our plug-in section. Uh, Where can people find you on the old internet? You can find me on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. It's at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephsgrimshaw.com. Yes, I said upcoming shows because I believe they will return. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephsgrimshaw. And we have been highlighting it every week. There are many, many different resources to help people that you can find on the website blacklivesmatter.com. All right, are you ready for final questions? Sure am. If you were asked to put one item in a time capsule of this era, what might it be? Um, I mean, it's got to be a mask, right? <laughs> yeah. You, I what, mean, in, well, but there's so many things going mm, on right now. I, I'm Okay, I'm going to change it and say it's going to be a mask that says I can't breathe. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a very good answer. Uh, that was a very serious and important thing you said, and I'm going to acknowledge that before I ask a not as serious question. If you could do a Zoom call with a bear, what would you chat about? Ooh, that would be so fun. I mean, I would want to know how how the bear is impacted by everything that's going on right now, if the bear is impacted, what the bear hopes for the new normal. Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe the pair's going to be like... Honey, and lots of it. Yeah, stop cutting down those trees, people. Yeah, listen uh, to the spore system, right. says the bear. Let the salmon be free and jump into my mouth. <laughs> uh, so you would you would listen to the bear. <laughs> you would wait for the bear to raise its paw, indicating that it wants to speak? Well, I mean, if it's only the two of us, I feel like we could have a conversation back and forth pretty well. 
I, okay. I don't know if the pod raise is necessary okay. for two people. I got excited about chatting with the bear. Did I cut you off? What is your answer? <laughs> no, what is no, your What is your final bear answer? I feel like I I nailed it with that uh, the salmon. I think you did too. I think the bear would say yes, absolutely. I just should be able to hang hang around with my mouth open, and salmon should leap in. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, final question for the podcast is always: What is happiness? So, what is what do you think happiness is going to be? in whatever the new normal is finding the way to find your own daily balance and refind it each way each day mm. and within that find a way that you feel like you can be contributing to the changes and causes that are important to you i think that is a very good answer so we are going to end our podcast so thank you uh, so much for listening that is our podcast don't forget about climate change You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Trees. Climate change. Nuance.